Hey, 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 and welcome to Let's Get Psyched. Woo! My name is Annabelle, and I am super excited to talk about the movie Joker. Directed by Todd Phillips, the incredible Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker, and he's totally amazing in it. I must say, he's pretty dope. So, the first thing I need to just say is I am not a licensed professional. Um, I'm still in school, so don't take my advice and use it in your own life because, you know what, I'm not your therapist and I highly recommend if you need professional advice, you go out and seek that and don't get it from this podcast. Yeah. So, I really loved the movie. I, from an artistic standpoint, from a um, storyline standpoint, I really did enjoy the movie. And I'm sure that my fellow Christian friends are quaking at that statement, but hear me out. I was interested in it on a psychological aspect for sure. So, something, the movie does follow a pretty good line of, um, like, the basically psychological downfall of this man, um, and it does a pretty good job at showing what happened in his childhood and how that's affected him as an adult and then showing how he gets pushed even further to becoming a raging homicidal uh, maniac. Um, you know, and I think there's a point of us maybe that can relate with being pushed to the edge, but clearly not to the point of um, murdering people, hopefully. So something I think that is important to talk about is the setting. So we know that is it is in Gotham, and we know that Gotham is not, you know, like uh, chill and good vibes. It's pretty dark. It's in a tumultuous time of unrest and heightened mental illness and heightened division and just heightened, I feel like, everything, man. Like, it is whack. It's going crazy out there. And I think something that's interesting is that that plays a massive part into the psyche of the Joker and how he ends up really escalating Um, because there is this heightened time, because there is such a massive um, push of the people of cheering on this kind of anarchist and against the rich and against the higher ups and all this different, it feeds into, um, that desire for power. It feeds into that desire to be seen, to be known, to be heard. And, um, I think it really exacerbates the situation and really is what is one of the main reasons the Joker keeps going, um, that Arthur keeps going. And I think that's important to remember um, when really thinking about how the Joker responded to everything. Um, So I did a little bit of research on um, how abuse in one's childhood can affect them in adulthood. 
um, because this is something that is super relevant in the Joker story um, and is super important to really kind of look at because he had an incredibly abusive childhood. I mean, they talked about in the movie that his mother didn't even know he was abused and that he would be tied to like a radiator and would be ignored and beat by his mom's boyfriends and you know, she was a single mom, mentally ill. There wasn't a father figure. And, and, and then you have these boyfriends who are coming over and beating him. And um, for any child that is super traumatic, that ha- has a lasting impact, that is um, been studied. And there's a massive link between childhood trauma and psychosis. And So this article is titled Childhood Trauma and Psychosis um, by Dr. Stanton and Brian Dentalosis. Sorry, I botched your name, dude. Dr. Goodwin, Dr. DeVere. So something, a quote that I thought was interesting from the study is they found that at age 18, 83.8% of those with psychotic symptoms had traumatic experiences. Um, youth who experienced trauma in the first 17 years of life were 2.91 times more likely to have psychotic symptoms at 18 years of age. And those who experienced three or more types of childhood trauma were 4.7 times more likely to have psychotic symptoms. So there is evidence to show that, you know, something like child abuse has a massive, massive, um, impact on psychotic symptoms, psychosis, which, um, psychosis is thoughts and emotions, um, that are impaired, where basically you lose contact with external reality, you have delusions, hallucinations, you just lose touch with reality, um, and this can happen, I think, as a result from childhood trauma because the brain doesn't know how to deal with that trauma. It's not something children or really anyone is equipped to deal with, with abuse, whether that be physical, sexual, emotional. Um, and I think what is, um, interesting is that because the brain doesn't know how to file these experiences, that your amygdala is going crazy, which is your fear center and your emotion center. And, Um, what happens is you're, you go into, your brain goes into protection mode during that time. And, um, I think a lot of times people can just kind of go to a numb space in their mind while that's happening and they never get to fully feel or express their feelings when that event was happening. And so it never gets fully processed and it never gets filed away in the brain into history. So it can be easy to be triggered. That's why PTSD, um, you know, is such a big thing. Like if you are triggered by seeing or hearing a loud noise because you experienced a loud noise or something happening in the past when something traumatic was happening and it can bring back and startle your brain into feeling, um, like it did or reacting like it did during the trauma. And so I think that's something that's super important in the Joker's um, story and his case and just looking at everything. Like it's super interesting um, that 
you know, he, to me, really actually wanted to be a good guy. Like, he wanted to be the hero. Like, when he had the delusion or the dream or whatever you want to call it of being on the Murray show, like, he put Murray in that father figure role. And he totally, you know, Murray hyped him up, was like, man, like, you've overcome this you know, you've been great to your mother, you've worked hard, you've done this, you've done that, I'm proud of you, like, look at you, you've, you're a comedian, people think you're fine, all these things, and he'd built up this massive fantasy in his brain, and, you know, I think it showed that he just, he really wanted to be the good guy, he wanted to be loved he wanted to be seen and encouraged and all the things and you can see that even when he would see a social worker he wasn't getting any of those things and like his mom said when he said mom my stand-up career is taking off and she said well I thought you had to be funny like oh burn bro like he just he didn't get it from anywhere like encouragement from anywhere even the guys from work who he thought were his friends like betrayed him and just time after time he was just so desperate like we all are seriously to be loved and seen and heard and taken and interested and encouraged and you know he was really robbed of that experience and he was robbed of um having someone who gave a crap like truly no one cared about him and I think that's one of the most tragic things throughout this movie is no one cared about him until he started murdering people and that's what gave him power and that's what I think pushed any ounce of um this moral standard he had to (laughs) now it's okay to murder people because we'll look at what they've done to me or look at how I've been looked over or, you know, basically not taking responsibility and blaming it on other people. Um, you know, and I do think that the Joker had borderline personality disorder. Um, I think that he's probably schizophrenic. Um, we don't really get an indication of him having voices in his head. So he might not be schizophrenic, but He has these hallucinations, thoughts of grandeur, you know, with the girl down the hall, with Murray, with all of that. And I think it's interesting in the Murray scene, spoiler alert, um, where his original plan was to kill himself. Um, And I think it's interesting that in the moment he reads the thing in his notebook and decides to kill basically the man he's looked up to most of his life. I mean, him and his mother would sit down and literally watch the Murray show every night and that was like his escape and who he looked up to and who he wanted to be and can you imagine like well I hope you can't but (laughs) like in that moment murdering the one person that you have looked up to your whole life and have seen as a father figure and strive to be I think I think that was such a defining moment um for him of really choosing destruction and chaos and choosing this whole different life and whole different way that he wanted to go. Um, You know, I think, I think it's just, 
dude, sad, like, (laughs) which is kind of the point of the movie, you know, but I think the difference between him is, you know, obviously people in the real world don't react this way, and there have been plenty of people who unfortunately have been through childhood trauma and even trauma in adulthood, like, you know, him being beat up or him being abused or um, all of that stuff. I think that him, he never got a break, you know, and I think how all of us have that desperation to be accepted and to be, you know, loved, and I think that, man, it, just being put down again and again and again, trauma after trauma that's never being dealt with. He never really lets himself feel like, and it's hard because he does have pathological laughter. So when he gets um, uncomfortable or when he gets stressed or he starts laughing, and of course it's not to the the point, um, it's not like a, it's not like he's actually trying to be a jerk in the moment. It's, he can't control it. It's a real live nervous system disorder and, um, something that does affect people seriously. And, um, I can't imagine having that or dealing with that and really just the struggle, constant struggle. I mean, like when he got up to do stand up, it was debilitating. It was embarrassing. Um, I think it's just, man, the poor guy, you know, and that's the interesting about this movie is even now I'm thinking back and empathizing, but yet, you know, not every person who's gone through trauma, like I was saying, gets pushed to this point. Um, It kind of reminds me of the extreme of like a school shooter and um, basically how not... Every school shooter, what I read, let me find it. So I found this um, topic on school shooters, victims of unheated psychological turmoil. Um, And it did say that parental rejections appear to be the primary distinguishing factor of psychotic shooters. On the other hand, traumatized individuals who are at risk are more likely to have had violent fathers and are vulnerable to peer pressure when deciding to act on violent ideas. Um, And I think it's interesting that he, it's almost like it was kind of both. Like he was peer pressured by this side, this, excuse me, sudden rise to fame. Um, like all of a sudden everyone's wearing clown masks and it's this big uproar and it's this movement and there's power in it and there's just all of it, you know? Um, but then also he did have parental rejection. He did have these childhood things that caused, um, You know, so it's interesting to kind of think of like, you know, man, here's this person who had serious psychological problems and had spent time in a mental health hospital and um, was on seven different medications and, you know, really started to act more on this homicidal rage once he was off those medications Um, and... I think it is just interesting to think about 
him being pushed to this point of like finding power and killing and that's the part where it gets kind of scary to empathize with him because obviously that's not okay and yes society was looking over him and yes there's these awful things that you know shouldn't have happened and you know I'm so sorry that they happened to him and I wish his social worker would have listened and I wish there would have been someone to intervene or listen to him because I think the outcome would have been different but um to be pushed to a point where you know you kill three people and then you know when he kind of goes in that bathroom and dances that's kind of him like accepting his new role accepting his um himself I guess and you know to kill his mother to do all of that stuff the psychological stuff that that is going on in his brain is just kind of crazy to think about um you know and it, it he wasn't violent i think that's something that's interesting is there's no indication like yeah people thought he was weird or yeah people thought he was creepy but he was never violent he always did what he was told he he would put on the smile even though he'd be crying behind it you know and i think i think all of us can relate of man just getting to a point of like oh my gosh i'm feel like I'm going to go crazy. At least I can feel, I understand that. But for him, it goes even farther. It's like he suppressed every urge or feeling or what he truly wanted to say to someone or how he truly felt for so long, time after time after time, and kept being abused, kept, you know, all of this stuff kept pressure, more and more pressure, cooking and cooking and cooking. And for him, I think the power in hurting someone, along with, keep in mind, the setting and the rise just ended up, like, exploding for him. And, you know, it's something that I hope that people who aren't mentally in the best place or are... um struggling with homicidal thoughts or even suicidal thoughts that... I hope, I really hope they don't see this movie at all, um, because it is definitely hard to watch and definitely difficult to not empathize to a point of being like, man, those people deserve to die, man, those, he deserved to finally get the power or the recognition he deserved, and, um, I think it's important to keep in mind that this is uh fake <laughs> that the setting was perfect for the opportunity for him to get to power because i think if the setting would have been different and if the setting would have been um there weren't these riots going on and no one really cared then he would be seen as another monster he would be seen as another just like psychopath you know um and i think that's something that is really important to keep in mind with this movie is simply because of the setting is the only reason that people are putting him in this position. If it were in a real world setting, that would not be happening. Um, so hopefully we gained or you gained. I definitely had a good time researching, um, 
some of this stuff. Obviously, it's a little dark, but, you know, that's what we're, that's what's interesting about it. Um, Joker is a very complex character, very complex personality, and um, I think someone could spend a lot of time diving into um, who he is and what he is and why he is and all of that stuff. I think an important thing to look at is his childhood trauma and continuing trauma into adulthood that's never dealt with. And, um, you know, could he have, could his path changed if there were someone to listen, if the social worker would have listened? I mean, I think his path definitely would have changed. Um, I think it would have having someone to intercept the the study, the study I read about the school shooters, um, even showed that if a person would have intervened or if they would have been put into counseling or had someone, um, intervene in the thought process or in the psychological breakdown of these kids or people, then they could have, you know, actually had progress and actually, it wouldn't have happened or it would have changed. And, you know, that's a guess. We can't go back and change any of that. And it's devastating and awful, um, for sure. And I definitely want to be sensitive to that because, man, I can't imagine. But I just want to end this podcast with a thanks for listening um, hopefully you found a nugget that you found entertaining or interesting or something. Um, I really love talking about psychology and I really love exploring the minds of people and why people do things and really what does trauma do to us and how do we respond to trauma? And, um, you know, like the Joker responded by killing people. And I think before that point he responded by internalizing and, um, you know, having these dreams of suicide or, you know, of just a different life or just not even existing. And if anything we can learn from this movie, um, is that mental health is important and you know what, there's no shame in struggling with anything in mental health, but you know, it's important to find a therapist or someone, a counselor who will listen to you, who you like, you know, that's very, very important and important in the healing and in the progress of, um, people with mental health disorders. And I know that firsthand and I'm also seeing it firsthand in counseling and internship and different things, um, that I'm involved with. So, you know, find someone that you love speaking with, that you connect with, that you really can, gain wisdom from and, um, someone who can help you out. I think that's super important. Um, and just don't be ashamed of that. You know, people struggle, life gets hard. Like don't be afraid to reach out for help and, um, yeah, just move forward because you know what? You are loved, you are important and you're here for a reason. And I truly believe that. And I know this little talk ended up kind of being a mental health uh, call to seek help or something. I don't know. It's late at night. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But I hope you all know that 
A, I'm so thankful that you are even listening to this. And B, if you have any other recommendations or any other characters or people you want me to look into or study or any of those things, then let me know. Um, I would love to see who you guys are interested in. I was thinking of possibly Dexter or, I don't know, maybe some other unique character. I'm not sure yet. Um, But I hope you'll join me for the next episode. And thanks so much for listening. Bye!